Blog Talk Radio. edition on Wednesday night, our Wednesday night conversation on the Fight Network. I'm Don Henderson, and of course, our normal group are on board. Roy Cummings is in uh, Tampa, Florida, where everybody's getting ready for fun, even though this is June the 15th. 
we're finally going to get the Stanley Cup Finals underway. Roger Henley is in Atlanta, where the Braves are on a red-hot streak and trying to chase the Phillies down. The Phillies had another walk-off home run today to, to get a win over the Marlins. And, of course, our leader is always Frank Carroll. He's in the driver's seat. He's our engineer, our technician, and our producer. So, Frank, we'll throw it right to you for a commercial and also talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that are going to be happening here on the show. Okay, Don, thank you. Uh, Roy's been is tied up for a little bit. Uh, he'll, he'll be joining us in a few minutes. Um, you know, each week we start the program, it's, it's dedicating it to, unfortunately, the loss of life. Um, tonight uh, there's two uh, gentlemen, uh, one Tom Folietta, uh, a Tampa, I'm sorry, a, a Tallahassee police officer who was uh, en route to uh, help a fellow officer out uh, on a, uh, the 1031, which is a hot pursuit of a felon. Uh, the felon came around the corner and went uh, smack dab and uh, head on into to Tom, and uh, Tom did not succumb from the accident. The other one is a, a very strong young man, uh, Bill Watson. Uh, Bill was a lieutenant with the uh, Polk County uh, Fire Rescue. Uh, he was an engineer with the department. Uh, he had 27 years service, and unfortunately, uh, last night passed away in his bunk at the station. What a way to go, a fireman with his boots on. So to both gentlemen and their families, uh, we dedicate this program. We wish you well and we'll keep you always in our prayers. Uh, we're really... Uh, I am thrilled uh, with tonight's uh, program um, for two reasons. One, I get a chance to, to uh, showcase uh, family people. Uh, my niece, uh, uh, Lori uh, Rafael Sobel, was a uh, uh, all-county, all-state uh, softball pitcher, uh, football quarterback at Ridge, uh, Ridgewood High back in uh, the uh, late 70s, and her brother, Jimmy, uh, was a uh, outstanding pitcher uh, for uh, uh, Bridgewood High as well as uh, a, a tight end. But the one we're really interested in is uh, is Lori's daughter, um, you know, Riley. Uh, well, actually, Lori has some very. Uh, we're gonna have to have Lori on sometime. She's got very very. Um, her daughter uh, uh, Riley, who's going to be on with us this year, had so many uh, accolades uh, thrown her way. Uh, All-state, all-league, all all-champion, uh, and first straight, um, uh, as I said, all-state. Uh, she also uh, is carrying a, a 5.0 average in pre-engineering at uh, Bergen County High School. I'm sorry, Bergen County Tech. And uh, she just uh, last Saturday pitched her 3,006 strikeout. So uh, we're well, looking forward to that. And uh, terrific, all the other terrific. kids. Yeah. So, Don, uh, I'm going to try and get off here and get uh, get a hold of uh, Roy again, and uh, um, I'll let you guys uh, go from there. All right, Frank. Uh, thank you very much. Oh. And of course, uh, we're looking forward to the next half hour with this young lady. Have a chance to talk to her. Uh, a record number of strikeouts, which is really incredible for a, a high school senior in Bergen County, and to uh, set an all-time record with strikeouts is really amazing. Roger, before we get into the Stanley Cup, because uh, we're going to wait for Roy for that. He's a little bit delayed for the program tonight. 
And, uh, of course, the Stanley Cup gets underway tonight. So we'll push back a little bit because the fight fills the football quest show the last three games against the Marlins. They, they won the first one in a walk-off in the ninth inning. They lost the second one, uh, blowing a four-point, a four-run lead in the eighth inning last night. And they come back with another walk-off today. So uh, they're winning some games, but they certainly wait till the end, Roger, before they pull it out. Well, Don, last night's game was an absolute disgrace. Absolute disgrace. Right. And, you know, uh, Ken Ebel has got to, to be put way back into the, in the bullpen because he's lost, uh, I forget, what is it? I, I think there's three blown saves. And then, uh, it, I mean, there's no excuse for that. And But I will say this. I was looking at uh, Kenley from um, uh, uh, Braves. Uh, um, he uh, used to be with the Dodgers, this closer. Uh, and, you know, his ERA uh, is high. And yet he's done a fantastic job of closing. So it just shows you uh, how Are you talking about Jensen practice- now? Yeah, Jensen, Kenley Jensen. Yeah. Okay. And it, it just goes to show you how maybe one game, one bad game, so it can inflate your ERA in that situation because he's done a great job. And I wonder why the Phillies didn't go after him uh, because they they needed uh, bullpen help and they addressed it, but obviously they didn't get the help that they expected. And uh, you really need to have a shutdown closure closer because that's been their albatross for several years, as you know. Yeah, I, I saw all three of their games, and uh, we talked about it. We talked about it with a number of different people. Billy Wardell, who covers the, you know, the Phillies on a regular basis down in Philadelphia with his own talk show, and uh, we keep continually talking about the bullpen, the bullpen. And last night, Ruben Amaro uh, and, and just came along and said, you know. The, They've got to be at a point now where you can't designate a, a, a sixth inning reliever, a seventh inning reliever, an eighth inning reliever, a closer. They don't have any of them. So all right. you got to do is just uh, send somebody out there and wish for the best. Well, Roy's well, joined us now, so we could we could get out of Tampa, Florida, because it's a very big night in Tampa. Everybody knows that the Lightning are trying to make it, uh, you know, three in a row. Uh, they had some great, great early season playoff games, and uh, now it's the big time. And, Roy, uh, let's get your observation first before we uh, ask a couple of questions. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, guys. Sorry, uh, I was a little uh, late, missed missed the call. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think we're in for one of the – for what could be an an absolute classic uh, Stanley Cup final series here. Um, Obviously, you've got the Lightning chasing their third straight Stanley Cup, which would be the most anyone's had in a row since – the Islanders back in the 80s, and if they win, well, then all of a sudden the talk is about their fourth straight Stanley Cup. Can they do that? Can they match what the Islanders, only about four teams have done in the history of the NHL? Um, so that's one thing, obviously. Uh, you got people establishing themselves on both sides of the ice here uh, as future Hall of Fame players. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky for the Lightning, uh, Steven Stamkos for the Lightning, uh, Nathan McKinnon for the uh, for the Avalanche, uh, Kale McCarr. I'm not going to put him on that list just yet, but uh, he and he the matchup, you know, between him and Victor Hedman, two of the best defensemen by far in the game. It's really a an interesting series here. And um, you know, the other thing is uh, you've got what I think is the best team in the NHL, 
all season long, throughout the regular season, in Colorado against uh, the two-time uh, defending Stanley Cup champions and a team going for the third. Um, it doesn't get much better than this. Uh, Colorado's extremely deep, uh, extremely fast. Uh, goaltending is good, not great. Uh, it can be great. We'll have to see how um, how the health is of uh, of Darcy Kemper, so we'll see where that goes. But, um, again, I just think we're in for a classic series, and uh, we'll see how it goes. It uh, should be a lot of fun, guys. Vasilevsky has just gotten better and better as the tournaments have gone along. Uh, first one, of course, against the uh, you know when the uh, when the playoffs really began, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but has improved in every single round since that time, and put on another clinic against the Rangers the other night. So uh, that ought to be a big part of it. But I'm the first to admit, uh, I don't follow the West anywhere near. I mean, I follow the Devils, I follow the Rangers, I follow the Lightning. Uh, I follow the Islanders, but I, I'm not a. I don't uh, really follow the Western Division nearly as much. So uh, I, I defer to you, Roy, because I know you do follow the West as well as you do the East. I just don't do that. Yeah, no. I'll tell you about Colorado. And I gave you a couple of things already. You know, they're a little bit like Edmonton in the fact that they're a team that is very heavy in terms of offensive production. Uh, the defense is, is, is solid, um, but maybe not great. Uh, the defense core has some, some real dynamic players, though. Devin Tays, Kale McCarr, as I, who I've mentioned, has, he's averaging 1.5 points. This is for a defenseman, 1.5 points per game here in the playoffs, Kale McCarr. I, I think, you know, if Tommy uh, were here, and boy, we sure wish he was, uh, he would uh, he would shudder at what I'm about to say, but I think Kale McCarr might be a better defenseman than, uh, than Victor Hedman for Tampa Bay. We'll, we'll see there, you know, who really establishes themselves as, uh, as the best. Uh, you know, Hedman might be a little bit more, more solid defensively uh, than McCarr, but McCarr might have the edge offensively. So we'll see how it goes. And um, Darcy Kemper is a goaltender that uh, Colorado picked up when they didn't get Jacob Markstrom, which I think was their target uh, in the offseason. Markstrom ended up going to Calgary, didn't play right at the level that Calgary expected him to. He was he was again very solid, um, but maybe not as quite as uh, shut down uh, a player as they had hoped. Um, so Darcy Kemper, who they picked up from Arizona, uh, has come in and, and done a really fine job. He was hurt near the end of the series against Edmonton, uh, and they went with uh, François. So we'll see how you know how it goes tonight. Kemper should be back in goal, but one thing you got to remember about uh, Colorado. They're not facing Mike Smith in goal this time around. Mike Smith was the goalie for Edmonton. He's adequate at best. Uh, this is the guy who gave up a goal from 138 feet away uh, on a dump in and uh, really cost his team uh, tremendously uh, in a pivotal game in the last series. And uh, Colorado's not facing that guy this time around. Um, they're, and they're not facing Markstrom, who, who wasn't as uh, strong as, uh, you, you know, as teams hoped he would be. They're not facing – Jonathan Quick, who might have lost a little bit uh, for in goal for, for L.A. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, again, goaltending is going to matter. And as you said, Vasilevsky's just gotten better and better. Uh, and the Lightning get Braden Point back. So I think everybody's healthy or as healthy as they can be. Um, I think the schedule is favorable uh, for these games being really good uh, because instead of the usual every other day, there, there's a couple of days off between the games. They play tonight, play again uh Saturday, then play again Monday. So 
a little extra time off for these guys between games. That helps you uh, recover, obviously. We'll see where it goes. Um, I think Colorado's a little deeper. Uh, guys like Gabriel Landeskog, uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, they can they can fill it up in the net. But uh, can they fill it up against Andre Vasilevsky? We'll see. Roger, they were down there in Atlanta, the home of champions, and the Braves are playing light, light, lights out over there. But we can stay with the hockey here for a couple of seconds. How about the how about the game today? What do you think, Roger? Well, I, I watched that uh, Rangers game the other night, and you got to be impressed with uh, uh, with the Lightning. And I'll tell you, when it got tied up, I was afraid that uh, the uh, the Lightning might lose, but they really uh, came back in in, in impressive uh, way. But it was a classic game to watch. But I, I want to move over to uh, uh, football for a minute, Roy. Um, I mean, there's a lot of activity going on and has gone on in the NFL. But I'll tell you what, I, I, I want you, and, and all three of you, if you were to pick a uh, Super Bowl champion now for this season, upcoming season, who would it be? And I'll tell you, after you make yours, I'll tell you who mine is. Roy? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I like what San Francisco is doing. Um, we found out uh, a little bit ago, a couple weeks ago, that uh, John Lynch, the general manager there, uh, was, was offered a, a pretty hefty sum to go back uh, into the TV booth uh, as one of the primary um, analysts. And, and I thought John Lynch was an exceptional analyst Excellent. on TV. Excellent. Uh, I think the, I think I think we miss him as an analyst. Um, but he stayed. He he passed on it because he believes that the team he's built is ready to uh, well continue to contend, but ready to win a Super Bowl. I won't disagree. I thought they were arguably uh, the most ready team a year ago outside of Tampa Bay, obviously, but. Um, look, I think Tampa Bay is going to start to feel the effects of uh, playing so deep into the playoffs for a couple of years in a row. I think age could be a factor uh, on both sides. It's a little bit older players in some cases, uh, maybe having to lean on some younger players in some cases that uh, maybe aren't quite ready. I would pick San Francisco. I, I really like what they've done over the last couple of years. If the gold, if the goal did, I'll be all right. If the quarterback uh, can play at the level he's capable of and stay healthy, I, I think they can beat anybody. Well, I sort of agree with you there, uh, Roy. I, I, I like San Francisco as well. And, of course, we always root for for John Lynch because uh, he was such a great player with the Buccaneers. And then went on when people said, oh, how can you hire this guy as your general manager? He doesn't know anything about the front office. He doesn't know anything about what's going on. Well, he's put, a, put together a pretty competitive team over the last few years, and I think it's going to be even a little bit better this year. But I still can't go away from uh, from Mr. Reed. I you know, he keeps bringing people in and, and making the right moves and has a, his offensive line. He's got, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League, he's already got close to the best. Uh, I, I got to stay with Kansas City, Roger. Okay, Frank. Yeah, I, I have to say uh, I, I agree with Don. I'm a big Andy Reid fan, always have been. Um, and I think that uh, he's got the basics. He's always had the basics. He just sometimes he, he reminds me of Marv Levy. He just can't get over that final three to six six inches. Uh, but I, I think he's he's coming back this year. 
Okay, well, I'm going in a total different direction than you guys. I'm going with uh, one of his disciples, the Buffalo Bills. I think that what they have done when I start reading it through and picking up Von Miller and the moves that they have made, they were close last year, and I think that their quarterback may be as good as or, well, maybe equal to and one of the very best quarterbacks young in the league. I just don't know what San Francisco is going to do. I mean, with Garoppolo, I don't think the other kid is ready at all. And and I don't I, I don't get what they're what they're doing. To be honest with you, uh, Roy, about the quarterback situation, Garoppolo gets them in, in a pretty good uh, position, but they're talking about this other kid all the time. I don't get that. Well, I think they've uh, armed themselves with two very good arms, and uh, I think they're they're good either way. Don't forget, you know, very few quarterbacks play 16 games, and, um, you know, I think they feel confident with what they've seen uh, of their uh, of their draft pick here and uh, over the last couple of years in the offseason and how he's developing. Um, you know, you don't pick a guy that as high as they did and, and not think that he's ready to play right away, and I like the fact that they're grooming him, so we'll see how it goes, but... Yeah, the other team I was thinking, uh, Roger, is the team you picked. I mean, yes, obviously, I, I, I think you have to count uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs into the into that conversation. You absolutely have to. Um, but uh, the other team that, yeah, I think is is a, I think the biggest threat to the Chiefs in their conference is definitely Buffalo. And you're right, the quarterback is uh, is exceptional. Um, you know, I wouldn't count out Cincinnati either. Uh, look, something special is happening there right now. Um, it is all about the quarterback in this league, or it's so much about the quarterback, and that team's getting a little bit better every uh, every year. I like the coach. Um, I, I think it's, you know it's it's going to be really interesting, uh, a very interesting uh, season there. Well, remember too that Allen's going to have to adjust to a new play caller. Uh, sometimes that takes a little bit of time. You never know. I agree with you about Von Miller. Uh, that was a, a good move, uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, you still. <laughs> As a lot of people pointed out, if they won the coin toss last year, they might have been in the Super Bowl, but uh, it didn't. I I still think uh, Reed and Kansas City are going to be very, very, very tough to beat. Well, you want to talk about baseball. I'll tell you what, the the Phillies uh, blew the game last night, Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, the Braves are on a roll. Uh, I think the cream rises to the top, and I think the cream is the Braves. And I think when all is said and done, I don't think the Mets will hold up, and I think the Braves will repeat. Well, I'll jump in ahead of Roy on this one. I disagree with you again. I, I think that uh, I don't know that the Braves aren't uh, aren't going to overtake the Mets, but the Mets are finally getting their you know Degrom and Scherzer coming back which was really totally unexpected. And they've been able to maintain this 8-10 to 10 game lead with uh, no names pitching games for them and scoring runs. So uh, I'm not so sure that I think the Mets are going to fold up at all. And I think the Braves are going to have to play the kind of baseball they're playing right now, but they're still eight games back, and uh, so eight or nine games back. And uh, we'll just wait and see. Roy, I, I, I still think I think the Mets are – and at the trading deadline, Cohen's already said whatever he has to hey, spend – the He's Braves are only it. five games back, Don, not eight. Phillies are nine. Okay. And they're on a streak. They won 13 in a row, 
And right. uh, they're plus 38 on run differential. And they've got the pitching. They've got the batting. Uh, you know, when you think about how they are now nine games over 500. And what they are they, were, 36, and, 36 and 27? Is that what they are? Yeah, 36 and 27. The uh, Mets are 41 and 22. Phillies 32, 31. But the, the thing is, uh, the uh, the Braves, I think they had their down part, down uh, period uh, early in the season. Right. And I think they're on a roll. I really right. do. And I think the Mets are, I don't think the Mets, you know, the Mets are, are, are going to, you know, just, you know, really go down. I just think that they will ha- have trouble keeping up with the Braves when, with the Braves on the move like they are. That's all. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised nobody took the Phillies. Uh, like you said, as hot as they are, uh, won another big one today, uh, coming back with a three-run homer from uh, their backup catcher. I mean, that, that that certainly helps when Garrett Stubbs is hitting three-run walk-offs for you. Uh, something special is happening there, and uh, it's certainly working for him. But um, I, I, I do think the Mets are, are still the elite team there. Look, they're gonna, they, they feel very confident that they're going to get Jacob DeGrom back. Um, Scherzer's coming back. Um, the team, is, it's not – Solid defensively, but one of the things you hear talk, hear people talk about in New York with the Mets team is is some of the guys that they've brought in. You know, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Starling Marte, um, obviously Buck Showalter uh, behind the bench. Uh, these are guys who uh, are, are all about team, and I, I think that um, I think that might have been part of the missing ingredient there in New York. Um, you know, that, that they've got these pieces now. And uh, it, it's just a more well-rounded team overall, I think. Again, I, I think defensively they're, they're, they're lacking a little bit. But you know they can hit. Uh, they've got power. Uh, Mark Canna is another guy who's, who's having a, possibly a career year there, uh, hitting over 300 right now. Um, they've got a lot of uh, versatility with, uh, with their players. I, I like the Mets. I, I think – it's a big lead that they've built up. Uh, I think they can maintain it. And don't forget, a lot of these teams are going to beat each other up. Philly's going to beat up the Braves. The Braves are going to beat up New York. New York's going to beat up on both of them. Uh, we'll see where it goes. And, and, hey, you know what? Miami's no shade, no, uh, no uh, soft, uh, soft team either. So the only, the, only really, uh, the only team that really doesn't seem to have a shot at all is obviously Washington, Strasburg back on the DL. I, I think it's a it's going to be a good race. Uh, it, it could tighten up, but I still think the Mets uh, probably win it by four or five games. Well, the Phillies bullpen is the is the uh, the disaster, Roy. The other thing is that Rhea Muto, uh There's now a lot of talk that he may be burned out, and you know, physically uh, over the years there was some speculation he and uh, Girardi weren't getting along. And uh, the pitchers seem to like Stubbs, and you've probably heard this, Don. The pitchers like Stubbs calling a game rather than Rhea Muto. And, and he has left so many uh, runners on base. I, I think, was it, wasn't it last night he left five runners on base, Don? Well, not only that, but he made the key error that gave him, yes. you know, gave him the yes. big rally in the ninth inning to win the game. He dropped a foul ball right in front of the dugout, and, as, you know, as uh, Ruben Amaro said on the post-game show, I mean, not 99 out of 100, 99, 999 out of 1,000 
you got to catch that ball. And he didn't catch it. And, of course, the Mets went on, or the, I'm sorry, uh, Miami went on to win a game. Uh, they, they scored uh, four runs in that inning. Well, well the guys, other thing, I think the good news there is that, yeah, Real Muto may be starting to feel the effects of uh, having caught so many games here over the last few years. I mean, it's, it's a bat that you want to keep in the lineup. The good news is, you know, you've got a, you've got a DH now. Uh, Real Muto could, could go over and play some first base. Um, you know, but you he's not hitting, Roy. That's fun. the problem. He's not Well, Suggs was well, one of four of them today. Yeah, well, right, the exactly. other thing, yeah. look at the and game so you that Suggs sub, called to the game with uh, Kyle Gibson. You know, it, the uh, he they were hoping he was going to pitch a complete game and possibly lose it. He pitched eight, eight innings, and he only had 88 pitches. And that was Yeah, that's stuff. great. Well, you know, typical afternoon exactly. game on a on a day off. Guys are swinging a little bit early, it seems. I mean, that's that's typical. I don't, but you know, I don't know if I, how much. I, look, if Garrett Stubbs is, has become the, the kind of the the favored catcher, what I'm saying is that's good. There's good news in the fact that you you don't have to put Real Muto behind the plate. You can keep the bat in the lineup, which is his most important asset. Um, uh, you, you know, you can keep that bat in the lineup by DHing him. Uh, putting him in, uh, you can even put him in left field. You can put him at first base. You can put Hoskins uh, at DH. You know, there, there's, there's places to put him uh, to keep him fresh, and and I think that's something that they probably will look at going forward. Um, you know, it seems like Brian Stott has started to figure some things out. Alec Baum's obviously uh, starting to hit the ball a little bit better. Um, the concern, though, is that you, you can't put Real Muto at DH if Harper's not. Uh, capable of playing. So there is a bit of an issue there. We'll have to see where it goes. But um, well, Roy, the I other still thing think... is you have to take any consideration too, uh, Roger, is that they just gave him the money. I mean, oh, I know they did. Said, you know, they gave him all this money. They're, they're, they're going to keep playing until, you know, things really go south. I agree with you. He's had a, well, I think he said about 25, I can't remember from last time. I think it was about 250. I can't remember exactly. Uh, I think he's exactly. like two forty something, but but he's yeah. not hitting, driving in runs, Roy. And you cannot afford to have a guy in the lineup that continues to leave five runners on base every game. You well, see, I mean, not well, every game. I don't think he's leaving five runners on base every game. I don't know what his he's stats are. Lot, left Roy. He's doing it a lot. Believe me. Okay, he's still one of the best bats on the team, and as as Don pointed out, okay. he's you know. The, the money is in him. I don't think that they're going to turn away from him anytime right. soon. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but you know what? A 250 hitting catcher, uh, that that's better than better than average. You know, you can always oh, bat him. Way eight. better. Way better than average. Frank's got a question for you, Roy, before we uh, get to our next guest. So right. let me get Frank in here. Of course, since you were so close to uh, uh, towards um, – it's been announced in the Philadelphia papers that he's a finalist for the uh, Flyers uh, um, position as head coach. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, do you know who the other finalists are? Uh, no, they didn't put that out yet. Okay, but Torts is one of them. I, I, look, I, I think Torts would – look, I still think John Tortorella is one of the best coaches in the NHL. Um, he's not a good fit for a young team. He's a good fit for a team that's ready to uh, take the next step and become a contender. 
Uh, you've got to be patient with him. You need pros around him, guys who understand uh, the sacrifice that has to be made uh, on and off the ice to, to, to win at, a high, at the highest level, um, but he can make you better. If, you, if you've got the guys who, are, you know, who can handle his, uh, his difficult approach, it's not easy. Not everybody can play for John Tortorella. He is going to be on your back. Uh, and he's always going to be on your back. He's going to expect more out of you than anyone, any other coach you probably played for expects, uh, and he's going to expect you to, to uh, you know, be there for your teammates as well. Um, but that's what makes mm-hmm. him special. He will make you a winner. I, I think it would be a perfect choice for the Flyers. Um, I think he would guarantee you that uh, – I think he would – the first thing I think he would do is, is he would shore up the defense because not just personnel-wise, but in terms of structure – and then he would bring in players who uh, may not be uh, household names, but players who you know, uh, or if you know the game, players who are going to uh, solidify that defense core uh, on the ice. Be a little more physical, that. too. Yes, be a little more physical. And if there's a problem with Corey Hart, he's going to find it out in a hurry and go get another goalie. Uh, I, I, think there's a, I think there's plenty of um, – uh, depth at the forward spot in, in Philadelphia. I like the team up front. Uh, it's the defense core that needs to get better. And uh, they, they look, it's a team that needs a bit of a kick in the butt. And nobody kicks, kicks in the butt better than John Tortorella in this league right now. Well, Roy, thank you very, very much again for the first half hour. We touched on National Hockey League, the National Football League. We touched on a little bit of everything, baseball. And we'll do it all again next week. Thank you very, very much. Have a great Thanks, week, guys, Roy. Appreciate you know, just it. Just in, uh, in closing, Roy, uh, he left us. Uh, Ray Muto left six runners on last night, and he's hitting two forty three. So that closes That's it out. for a catcher. Bat him eight. <laughs> okay. All right, Frank. Have you got a, a special week, guest Roy, on Frank. hand right now, so go to it. You're the best. Yeah, we have a we have a young lady who's just uh, amazing. Uh, she uh, at seventeen years old has garnered many, many um, uh, accolades, uh, both uh, on the field and off the field, as a student in, in pre-engineering at uh, Bergen Tech. Uh, and as they hopefully, uh, uh, I know we'll talk, get talk about where she wants to go from here, but she has 3,006 strikeouts uh, and softballs. She also plays, she's well-rounded, as is the rest of that family, um, the Sobel family is well-known in, in sports in northern Jersey. Uh, the boys play baseball and football. Uh, the girls play volleyball, uh, soccer, and uh, softball. So, um, Riley, um, welcome to the show. It's, uh, it's gl- I'm glad to have you on. And we'd like you to, to explain uh, uh, everything you do, uh, you've done this year in sports. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, in high school, I play volleyball and softball. Um, my main sport softball. I've done more there. I've gotten 306 strikeouts total, not 3,000. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, all right, stop talking me up. Um, <laughs> Ronnie, thank you very much for correcting our director. I try to correct him all the time, but unfortunately... <laughs> It doesn't work. So thank you very, very much. You've already made a magnificent impression on this show. <laughs> You're great, Riley. Go ahead. I can't wait to get talk to you and ask you some questions. I want to hear all your records. Go ahead. 
All right. Um, well, this year I set a school record for strikeouts in a single game. I had 18 in a 10-winning, 10-inning win over Rutherford. Um, our record was 26-3 and a one, which is best we've had in a while. Um, for that Rutherford game, I was named uh, Bergen County Female Athlete of the Week, so that was great. And um, I was made, I was I made first team All County for Bergen County, and I was nominated for Softball Player of the Year. So it's been a pretty good. Right, Riley, as we see so much women's softball on television now, I never used to really see that, but now. Just a tremendous number of games are on television, whether it's ESPN2 or whatever it may be. Uh, have you selected a college as yet, or what direction are you going? Um, well, I'm not really looking at those are all colleges. I don't really think I'm at that level. I'm looking at D3 schools. Um, a lot of them are in the Northeast. Like, I'm looking at a bunch of schools in the NESCAC division, like Tufts University um, or MIT. I really want to focus on academics when I go to college. Um, softball is just something I want to keep in the mix. Roger? Well, yeah, uh, I have a, a number of questions for you, Riley. Um, do you play on a travel team up in North Jersey? Um, well, I play on my high school team, and I play on the club team, too, NJ Fire. Um, we mostly play in the summer and summer, you know, to get ready yeah, for well, college. Well, the reason I ask is um, my, do- my granddaughter, uh, who's almost 11, going to go into sixth grade, is on a travel team from uh, – Williamsport, Pennsylvania. They were up in Olean, New York uh, this weekend, and uh, they played in a tournament, and I'm very familiar, and so is Don, with the uh, the complex for baseball and softball in, in Flemington, and I'm sure maybe you have played there. Uh, and uh, are you familiar with uh, Jenny Finch? Uh, yes, I'm very familiar with Jenny Finch. I've been to that tournament uh, maybe three times uh, playing softball. Um, I usually the want at, the club. Yeah, okay, that's what I was going to say. So you're very familiar uh, because I have a picture of my granddaughter with her, and my uh, nephew used to be involved in the American softball uh, uh, organization. I mean, he's with Intersport now. He's got a big job in Chicago. But uh, uh, I had no idea until I talked to my daughter, who played softball, basketball, soccer, you know, in high school and everything. I had no idea how big that tournament was. And and you now you've been there three times, and that must be really some tournament. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear me or, or not. Yeah, we. I think we have uh, uh, Frank. I think we have somebody overriding the line here somewhere along the line because I hear two voices no. simultaneously. Yeah. Somebody else must be on with you on your line, Frank. Now there, uh, Riley. Can you is, can you hear us? Somebody, somebody's going to another another line coming in. 
Jenny, or I mean, uh, Riley, can you hear us now okay? Uh, yeah, now you sound fine. Oh, good. Um, okay. So, Go ahead. All right. So, uh, yeah, going to Jenny Finch is definitely the biggest tournament I've ever been to. Um, I'm pretty sure it's one, definitely at least one of the biggest Hello. ones they have. Please state your name after the tone, and Google Voice will try to connect you. What's that? Uh, I don't know where we are now. I don't know where we are. No. Look, I'll, I'll hang up here for you. Know, after the on, tone, uh, and Google Voice will back. try to Maybe we got you. a double line or something. You there, Don? 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 Yeah, Don. Uh, somehow Don dropped. Okay. Are I'm you trying, there, I'm Riley? Trying to clean up the... Oh, okay. Good. Um, we'll get Don back. Um, the uh, yeah, my uh, my daughter uh, was telling me. I don't know the uh, if you've ever played at a tournament up in Olean, New York, by Saint Bonaventure. Uh, they were up there uh, this past weekend, they, Friday night and Saturday. There were two games Saturday. And I don't know what happened. They were the number one seed. But but their composite score, this travel team, I've never seen them play. And they're young, obviously. But uh, they, uh, in the three games, they scored 42 runs. The other team had three. So it must be some kind of softball team at that age. But uh, I, had, I uh, had never heard of – well, I heard about her, but I had no idea that, that Jenny Finch was so involved in uh, softball tournaments, and, and you've confirmed it now. Uh, is Bergen Tech in, uh, right uh, near Paramus? I used to work up there all the time. Um, yeah, Bergen Tech, it's centered around our Hackensack campus. There are a bunch of different campuses, but, yeah, it's right near Paramus. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. Are you out there off uh, near, like, off of Route 4 in Hackensack? Uh, yeah. yeah, we're right off of there, Hackensack Ave. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, you're in a powerhouse uh, t- a team, and you look at all the great uh, players in football, uh, baseball, come out of uh, – uh, your area up there, you know, and uh, well, Roger Bergen Catholic and uh, Lenape are pretty, pretty strong both sports uh, uh, schools. Yeah. Whether it's uh, I don't know about softball or, but uh, they're noted for almost everything in sports. So she's right. Now, when you're in Bergen County, it's funny. Uh, just for some of the listeners across the country, whenever you ask anybody that lives in Bergen County, where are you from? They don't tell you. Uh, well, I'm from. Uh, such and such a town. All I tell you, well, I live in Burger County. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they never they never name a town. They always say, this is, I live in Burger County. Um, yeah, Burger County is really great, athletically. Uh, my school is on the, maybe on the lower. Um, well, I know, you know, the, uh, uh, the Phil Sims boys, Chris and Matt, they both went to uh, schools up in Bergen County, and I think one was Bergen Catholic. And uh, the uh, I, I did want to ask you this: um, the uh, congratulations on uh, your uh, honors 
you know, with being the uh, player of the uh, week, et cetera. And um, do do your games, uh, do they do anything on, like, your school website where uh, games are televised or streamed at all? Um, well, thank you for <laughs> congratulating me. Um, honestly, uh, no. The most we do is um, one of the parents runs a game changer, so you can see all the plays during the game. But, um, no, my school is my school has a lot of things going on, and most of them are academic-related, not athletic. So mm-hmm. we kind of get sidelined a little bit, but I'm hoping this season will make it you know, more of a priority. Riley, what is what is the size of the school? Because I have to be honest with you, even though I've lived here in Jersey all my life, I, I don't know the size of your school. <laughs> well, it's um a little complicated. Um the camp the school that I go to for um academics is about a thousand people, but we combine with three other campuses, so we're picking from a pool of around two thousand kids for our sports teams. Okay. Well, I'll tell you uh, what's interesting, Riley. I live in Georgia now, and uh, the school, uh, I'll give you one example, Mill Creek High School, each class has 1,400 in it. So you're talking about, uh, what, uh, almost, what, 5,000, 4,500 in, oh, over 5,000, or around 5,000. So I'm used to, Don's used to uh, New Jersey. My my kids all went to Nottingham High School in Hamilton. And uh, so the schools, are, the populations are a lot different uh, down here than they are up there. Uh, I, did, you, I think I heard you correct that you, uh, you want to go, uh, stress academics in college, MIT, et cetera. But you mentioned something about Division Three. Was that to play softball or not? Um, I want to play Division Three softball. Um, the reason I'm looking at Division Three is because I think it's the best fit for my skill level. Mhm. And yeah, so I think it's where I'll get the most out of it. Ronnie, what does this season consist of uh, up there in Burger County? How many games, high school games, do you play? And how many outside of the high school games do you play during the course of the year? Oh, for um, uh, to be honest, first whole season I've really had. Uh, freshman year got canceled because of COVID, and last year we were still kind of recuperating. I think the norm, the normal number of games for high school is around thirty. Uh, outside of high school, uh, I have no idea. Boomerangs around because it's tournament based. Frank, you're up. Yeah, Riley. The, the um, one of the, the neat things uh, is that you come from a, a family of, of uh, athletes uh, up in Bergen County. Uh, your mom played uh, sports up there and was very uh, very good at it. And your uncle Jimmy was um, the uh, and now you and your your sister, uh, Miss Lucy, and your brothers are uh, carrying on that uh, that family tradition, and that's uh, that's something that uh, we don't see a whole lot of. And uh, and to you're able to hold a conversation uh, the way you have tonight 
is a definitely a credit to your parents and um, how they've um, helped raise you. And, and um, we just can't, we're proud to say that uh, you're uh, you're one of our family, and uh, you're always welcome here. Uh, anytime you want to uh, call in, if you have a question on any sports or anything, uh, we keep it. It's an open table. Uh, I keep. We have uh, right now. We have 1,100 uh, people listening online, uh, and our our total number tonight is 271,350 worldwide. So uh, wow. I keep the lines down to six lines. So if anybody wants to call in, it's uh, 347-202-0832. And uh, we've always – And, Ronnie, I hope you'll uh, – you know, when you finally make that decision about what school you're going to go to, uh, I hope you'll give Frank a call, uh, and we'll have a chance to chat with him a little bit why you picked that school and uh, have a chance to chat a little bit about – the program that they offer that you really liked as well as their academic uh, uh, credentials. So I hope you'll give us a call for that. Absolutely. All right, I'll that. Yeah. Great. The Bergen Tech uh, has a pretty good football program too, don't they? <laughs> well, when I got there, they had lost every single game three years straight. Um, <laughs> the first day of my freshman year, um, all the freshmen were on a retreat to get to know each other. Um, all the boys were, like, huddled around their cell phones waiting to hear because it was the first game of the season. And um, right. they won. <laughs> They won their first game in three years, and the entire place went berserk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I'm sure it's improved. Now, there, what I was going to bring up is uh, I have heard from uh, friends of mine in New Jersey that the uh, uh, the uh, football season, the high school football season, is now going to begin before school even starts. Are, are you familiar with that at all? Um, yeah, I think that's the normal way that most fall, uh, most fall school sports start. Uh, for example, I start volleyball um, around August 22nd. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's what they do down here uh, because football rules, okay? But uh, I, I found that interesting because I know in New Jersey, uh, they uh, when I was, you know, there for many years, uh, we didn't have the uh, first uh, football game until like about the, uh, I think fifteenth, uh, maybe tenth to fifteenth. Uh, it was like a week after Labor. That's all changed, you know, with high school sports up there. Yeah, but Roger, when you were at, uh, we're, we're up in uh, New Jersey. Dirt wasn't dry yet. <laughs> Could be. You could be right about that. <laughs> You have to remember when Roger was up there, we were playing with a round ball, and it wasn't, you know, oblong. <laughs> hey, listen, I did play uh, JV football with a leather helmet, so that does clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, it's all yours. All right, Riley, we want to thank you again for coming on. Please thank your mom and dad for allowing us to spend this time with you. Uh, your granddad's been trying to call in. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is, but uh, he wanted to wish uh, wish you uh, the very best also. So um, 
uh, I got to say for all the Friel, uh, Rafael, the uh, Sobel family, you are credit to all of us, and uh, we really appreciate everything you and your sister and your brothers are doing. Riley, you're uh, a pleasure. We again. really appreciate it. I wish you the thank best. You. Look, look forward to talking to you. Okay. All right, well, take care of yourself, and uh, I'll be talking to you later on this week. All right. All right. Thank you very much. We uh, switch gears right now because uh, Mike Schultz is on the line with us right now, Director of Communications for the Outback Bowl. Pardon? Yes, he's not on yet. Oh, he's not on yet. Okay. Go ahead, Frank. Well, I'll tell you what, Don. uh, We can continue the conversation about J.P. Riamuto. And, uh, you know, it was very interesting this morning. By the way, congratulations to Al Morgani going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Huh, how about that? And what was nice is I didn't hear it because uh, I was, at you know, uh, getting ready at work yesterday. Uh, but what they did was Angelo, uh, because he's off on Wednesdays, Angelo had said we're going to have a uh, surprise announcement, and nobody knows about it but me at, at 9.30. And what happened was I think somebody from uh, the Hall of Fame came into the studio and had the plaque for Al. So he had no idea that he was going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. But uh, he had a couple of good comments today. Uh, he said that the Phillies never could ever have given him that contract because you just look at the way catchers break down when they hit 30. Right. And I really think there's still somebody on the line here. I, 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 oh, I'm getting it too. Yeah, I, I don't know who it is, but anyway, go ahead. No, so uh, and Al's point was that uh, he just thinks that a catcher breaks down when they hit 30, and they never should have given him. That was all, you know, you know uh, Harper was pushing to get him signed. But uh, now I, I just, I'm not a fan. And, and then the more I hear about that he and Girardi were arguing and that the, the pitchers like Stubbs better than they like Riamuto calling a game, there's mm-hmm. got to be some friction in that in that clubhouse. Yeah, but also, Roger, that could have been upstairs. You know, they signed him. They gave him all the money. The general manager uh, made those decisions about what he was going to do about Real Muto, whether he was going to let him go to another club as a free agent or whether he was going to sign a multi-million dollar contract. He decided to sign him. So, uh, you know, I can understand that, uh, you know, we're not in a position to talk to Joe Girardi, but I would uh, I would say that, you know, all the decisions made by the Phillies when Joe was there were not necessarily made by Joe. Well, and, and a Klentak was there, okay, before uh, Dombrowski, because he's only been there a couple of years. And the one good thing is that uh, Bill Warndell was saying the same thing. The Phillies now have some good talent in the, in the low minors. Uh, you know, uh, coming up. And that kid, Logan O'Hop, uh, Hoppy, uh, you know, they say that he's the catcher, catcher of the future, and he's only like 22, and he's at Reading, and he's doing very well. Well, all we can do is hope that, uh, 
you know, they've got to straighten out the bullpen first. I'm with you on all their minor league prospects. I hope they're all better than bet, you know, better than good. But regardless of how good they are, and they're they're playing, you know, two uh, uh, relative rookies that they just fought up. They played last night two at two positions, and uh, but to me, uh, you know, if you don't have a bullpen, if you, you got to go night after night, as Ruben Amaro said, there's just no way that you go night after night after night. And, of course, they wanted uh, the starting pitcher to go more than six innings last night. But then they said on the postgame show, well, he had a bad knee. He's had his knees operated on a couple of times. Uh, they wouldn't, didn't want to take a chance. Uh, but as soon as you go to that bullpen, anything's liable to happen. Oh, I agree. The bullpen is a disaster, and it's been that way. Uh, Braves are up over Washington 3 nothing, uh in the uh, – the uh, top of the uh, fourth. Yeah, and the Yanks are up uh, over Tampa Bay, one nothing uh, last night. Uh, it's amazing. Last night, uh, fly ball to right field. Uh, Margot, I think it was, dropped the fly ball right on the foul line, gave the Yankees a, a two-run uh, uh, cushion that they won the ball game with. And tonight, fly ball to right center field, and they drop it again. And the Yankees are up. Right now, one nothing, and we'll see what happens from here. Uh, I haven't turned the hockey game on yet. That's coming next. Yeah, I've got it on. Uh, the uh, I think they're still doing. Uh, let me see. I think they're still doing pregame. It's on ABC. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh no! It just started. Nothing. Nothing. Fifteen uh, thirty-three mm-hmm. left in the first period. Okay, so they got three to four and a half minutes in. Okay, I just getting ready to turn it on. I didn't think it had started yet. Frank, anything on Mike yet, or anything on the? Yeah, Mike. Uh, Mike was in the car. He asked uh, five minutes to uh, get into the house, and it's coming up on that right now. So uh, I'll get him on. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Mike, uh, Frank, and Don because of uh, the, uh, you know, losing Outback and, and uh, right. how it looks the sponsor. And I, I think right. they, well, they've got a new sponsor. They, they have a new sponsor. sponsor. They do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they announced it last week. And oh, okay. uh, we'll talk, well, I, we'll talk to them about that. it. It's a, it's a, I believe it's a tech company from Tampa, uh, uh, almost, uh, I guess, a little bit like the <clears throat> naming of the of – the, uh, Facilities that the Lightning play in, and all uh, that's a local, I think, uh, oil company or something from uh, sure. Tampa. Amelie, Amelie is an oil company. Amelie exactly Arena, right. yeah, yeah. I Same think that's something. Hey, Dustin, we have, uh, we're joined by uh, one of the best guys in the in the industry, uh, Mike Schulze. Okay, we we tried to get a hold of Michael a little earlier, Mike, director of communications. Uh, <clears throat> we called for years, and I think we'll check yeah. with Mike right now. But I think Outback was the longest oh. sponsor of any of the bowl games, and uh, oh, this year yeah. they're going to make a change. So, Mike, nice to have you on the show. First of all, give us an update on the new name of the uh, of the bowl game and uh, what what happened. Well, yeah, we've got uh, we've got a new uh, title sponsor for the bowl game. Uh, which we're very, very excited about. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's now the ReliQuest Bowl. ReliQuest is a global uh, cybersecurity firm uh, that's based right here in Tampa. It's been been around since 2007. 
um, and is, of course, uh, really uh, growing a very high growth mode right now uh, with the uh, cybersecurity issues that we deal with in the, in the current day. And um, they're growing and have offices around the, the world and uh, just a tremendous uh, company, billion-dollar company that, uh, like I said, is based here in Tampa. Uh, is going to have a huge presence very soon down in downtown Tampa. I think they're going to be uh, in one of the new uh, buildings that uh, that the, the Water Street is is putting up down there. Um, I think they're going to have like 160,000 square feet of office building uh, down there, and uh, they're just a great partner uh, for us and and uh, one that we felt very very uh, excited about being uh, a part of and. So we're very excited about the next four years, at least, uh, being the ReliQuest Bowl and having them on board. Mike, uh, we can't yeah. say enough good things about the what it was the Outback Bowl, and, and am I wrong? Uh, weren't they the longest-running sponsor for the bowl game, uh, and you had them for so many years? Yeah, they, they, yeah, we had we yeah we had Outback for 27 years, which is uh, which was the record uh, for any title sponsorship of a bowl game, but. Uh, but you know, I mean, that, it was also a, a very uh, almost an anomaly, really, because um, you know most most bowls don't don't have sponsors that long, and most sponsors don't don't stay with anything that long, much less a bowl game. So uh, we were very fortunate. It was a great it was a great uh, great one with run with them, and the time was it was time for a change, and and uh, we were just very very excited. We were able to find a another outstanding partner so quickly. Um, to uh, to carry things forward, Roger. You know, Mike, uh, I can understand exactly uh, what your point was. Uh, I was with Mobile Oil for my career and uh, happened to uh, be. I was fortunate enough uh, to be down there the first year we sponsored the Cotton Bowl, and I think uh, it le- the uh, yep. partnership lasted five years. So uh, to, to to have the success that you had with Outback. Uh, of course, my my other question is, uh, what about all these uh, guys that get those freebie steaks? Uh, they won't uh, have the Outback steaks anymore. <laughs> so what do they do now? Get no. some uh, software or something? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, we haven't done the the player uh, thing for a while with with Outback, but but yeah, I mean, and, and we'll have uh, we'll have great food in the press box, uh, you know, as as we're used to and so forth, but. But no, it's uh, it's it's you know it's definitely different. Uh, I, I think it is unique. That we there's not a lot of uh, of, of, of uh, major tech companies uh, in the the bold title sponsorship um, uh, you know a window. But I think uh, this is going to be uh, you know uh, a little bit unique in that regard. But I think it's also uh, just sort of part of the forward thinking that uh, that we were looking at and what they're they're you know ReliQuest is looking at. Uh, is uh, to be able to get into a marketing platform that they are not, you know, that the folks in their business are not typically in, um, and them sort of being one of the first ones to to get into this the, the world of college football uh, sponsorship uh, like they're doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, tech companies, for instance, like in Formula One racing and some of some other types of sports and they've they've been involved with the, the boston celtics for for quite a while and and some other entities so uh it's not completely new to them either but i, I think to to be at this level uh, of a sponsorship but uh, uh in in the uh, on the college football platform 
is going to be unique for them, and they're very excited about uh, tapping into that fan base and and how it can uh, really expand the, the awareness of what they do. Mike, there's also going to be a new selection process. Maybe you would explain the changes from what we've seen over the last four or five years as to where we stand right now with the conferences and how the selection is going to come about. Yeah, the, the, well, really the only change is that, you know, our contract now, which which actually has already been in place a couple of years now with the conferences, uh, allows for us to potentially get an ACC team, uh, which also includes Notre Dame in our game in select years. And so this particular year coming up, um, uh, you know, basically the way the way it reads is that in a in a year that the Orange Bowl does not host a semifinal playoff game, which this coming year they will not be hosting a semifinal playoff game because they, they did last year. Um, they uh, that if a Big Ten team ends up being selected for the Orange Bowl, then we would actually take uh, take take one of the top ACC teams, and of course, as I mentioned, Notre Dame is a part of that you know uh, of that. Uh, uh, universe of, of potential teams so you know we could have a you know a florida state or a, a clemson or miami or notre dame or somebody of that caliber uh playing an sec team in our game uh this year uh which is which is really interesting to us because it it you know brings some new uh inventory if you will into our game that that fans of our game typically don't get to see or haven't been able to, to see for for many many years so you know, we, we had some ACC teams in our game uh, many, many years ago, um, but, you know, it's been a very long time. And, and so, you know, there's select years, like you said, you know, where it could end up being that situation. Uh, so, you know, it'll be either a Big Ten team or ACC team, and, and probably more times than not it'll still be Big Ten, but there is that opportunity now uh, that we really didn't have before. So I think it's great for the fans in the Tampa Bay area to be able to see teams that in our game that maybe they haven't seen before um and uh and it's also great for those those schools as well uh, to be able to have uh, the experience that we are able to provide here in our bowl game in this market uh, that they haven't been able to enjoy in the past roger yeah if you had florida state you probably packed the stadium uh, with florida state <laughs> fans you know, you know, but yeah, well, there's like, a lot I'm, of teams that I think would do well in that, in that regard. And, and I think, you know, again, I mean, a big part of like our, our big 10 SEC matchup, right. Is, is the fact that even though it's probably a little bit more prevalent today than it used to be it, on the scale of things, you know, it's still pretty rare for a big 10 and SEC team to line up against each other. Right. In a, in a normal year. And, and so those, you know, the, the, the conference rivalries, if you will, between those conferences always make those matchups, big matchups. And, and I think, you know, the same could be said, you know, even for, you know, for, you know, having an ACC team in there, like a Clem- a Florida or Clemson or somebody like that, being able to play an SEC team or a big 10 team that they don't typically, you know, play on a regular basis. And so that uniqueness, I think will, will still be there. And, and it's again, in, in some ways, even more so because, you know, there. You know, we we might have teams in our game that that haven't traditionally been in it. Roger. Yeah. Well, that last year that uh, kickoff game, Clemson and Georgia, that was rare. I mean, Georgia plays Georgia uh, uh, Tech every year, but I mean that's just the rivalry that's been said so many years ago. I think is it right. Atlanta, uh, one of the semifinal sites this year for the, at the Peach Bowl. 
Um, I believe so. I, I, I believe so. I, you know, last year okay. it was the, the Sugar Bowl and Orange Bowl, I think. Um, this year, I know the Cotton Bowl is um, is is up against us in our slot this year, so they're they're not a semifinal. Or maybe, maybe the Cotton Bowl was a semifinal last year. That's right. So yeah, so it might be it might be the uh, it might be Peach Bowl Fiesta Bowl this year or the semifinals. I okay. believe that's right. When when will it be you? Uh, do you know that when you'll have uh, be hosting hosting one of the semifinals? We don't. We do not host the semifinal. Uh, we're not part of the playoff, you know. So we don't okay. host the semifinals. Yeah. So yeah. do you have to bid on that? Could you? Could you host it? Well, it's it's it. That's all. That's part of the CFP structure that's in place right now. They have the what they call, uh, ironically, the New Year's Six games, of which most of, of the games aren't played on New Year's Day, but that's what they're called. Um, so. They're, they're the they're the playoff bowls. That are, there's the six games that they they rotate the, the play the semifinals among those six games. So every three years, you know, one of those bowls gets to host a semifinal game. So that that contract is still in place now for four more years with the current CFP structure. What they're talking about doing moving forward after the you know the the January 26 games is to expand potentially the playoff structure to have more games in that are part of the quote playoff. And mm-hmm. of course they haven't decided exactly what to do with that. They came out a year ago with uh, with the whole idea of we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it and all this. But of course not everybody was on board with that. And so there's been some pushback and, you know, they haven't really decided exactly what they're going to do. If it's going to be 12 games, 12 games, or if it's going to stay at, at four games or four teams rather, or 12 teams, or if they're going to do something in between. Uh, there's a question as to whether or not originally they, they talked about having the first, having a 12 team playoff with the first round games being played on the campus sites. Um, but then there was a lot of talk about, well, maybe those should be part of bowl games. And so that's undecided. So there's a lot of, lot of, a lot of things that have to be decided right now with uh, how the playoff will look beyond the next four years. Currently, like I said, it's already set in place. But um, once they determine probably in the next two years what that next uh, version of it will look like, then it'll then we'll be able to know whether there's something – where we might want to be a part of that or not, you know, just depending on what it, what they come up with. Well, Mike, I want to thank you very, very much. Uh, not football season yet, but before we know it, we're talking about hockey tonight, the Stanley Cup playoff. <laughs> Basketball still going on with the NBA championship. Football just around, around the corner. It just seems like before you turn around, around, you're ready corner. to start again. So, Everybody looks forward to football, yeah, and thank to, you very much for your time and your explanation the, of what's going on SEC. down there at the bowl. I'll be at the SEC Media Days a month from now, so it's, it's, it is right around the corner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, it is. Thanks again. All right, Take you're care, welcome, Mike. Guys. Always great to be with Have you. Have a great week. Take care. Take care. Mike Schulte, Director of Communications for the Outback. What was the Outback Bowl? They've changed the name. They've uh, brand-new sponsors, as Mike just indicated, told us all about it. And uh, so there'll be some changes there, but the teams will still be uh, 
very, very high caliber. And I'll tell you, we've been at the Outback Bowl so many times now that uh, uh, each game seems to be better than the one before. So I uh, wish Mike a lot of luck at all the people down there. And uh, so now we got Mike Zimzak on the line right now down in uh, Colorado, Baltimore, Washington area. He's sort of fun. Pardon? Two nothing, Colorado over the Lightning. Oh, okay. I got. I got the end game on. Okay, two nothing, uh, Colorado. So, uh, Vasilevsky must be getting off to a shaky start. I'll, I'll switch over yeah, to that one. My Mike gives us a little uh, news on what's happening in Baltimore, Washington. Mike, how's it going, gentlemen? Great. Hey, good, Mike. Always good to talk to you. Yep, the same here. Uh, But before I forget, uh, happy Father's Day in advance to all of you out there. I hope you enjoy your day on Sunday. Thank you. We will do that. Thank you. So, uh, where do you guys want to start this evening? Roger, I'll let you you pick it out tonight. Roger, go ahead. I'll let you get a kick in. Well, I I was thinking about you, Mike, when I got this uh, press release the other day about FIFA, FIFA, uh, having the World Cup uh, on Thursday, June 16th. That's tomorrow. And uh, they're going to have the, uh, what is it, the selection uh, of... Yeah, uh, they're going to announce the host cities for the uh, 2026 World uh, World Cup tomorrow. We know that, the, I believe it's uh, three sites in Canada... Uh, three sites in Mexico, and the remainder of them will be in in the United States. Uh, Atlanta's probably in there with a really good shot, considering it's the, uh, what, the 250th anniversary, the 2026. uh, I would suspect Philly is in there with a really, really good shot. Uh, Of course, Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, Houston, uh, and then some others. Um, so we'll see tomorrow when they announce the final list for where that will be being played here when the World Cup comes in uh, 2020, June of 2026, and so that we can start getting our travel plans together. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, if I wasn't working tomorrow, I'd go down for this uh, because it's uh, uh, easy uh, parking. You know, you have to go into the garage or anything. It's the uh, stadium administration lot. So it'll Roger, be let me interrupt a second to say the Lightning have just scored at 7.34 uh, of the first uh, first period. So uh, Colorado leads it by a score of 2-1 to one at this particular moment. And we'll try to keep you updated on that one if you're in the car or somewhere and not able to hear it. Go ahead, Roger. No, I was just going to say uh, they have this pretty uh, – you probably got that same media release, Mike, about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be uh, – Slated for 5 to 6 p.m. in the press conference following at 6.30. So I think they'll get very good coverage on this, don't you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are excited to see what cities uh, and where this is going to be. You know, it's been uh, 30 years since the World Cup was here in the U.S. Soccer has grown leaps and bounds. Uh, the idea that, you know, it's going to be the first uh, the biggest World Cup, you know, we're expanding from 32 to 48 teams, um, and it's going to be hosted amongst uh, the United States, Mexico, and Canada. I think there's going to be a lot of interest. You know, a lot of people are uh, that I've talked to are pretty uh, excited to see, you know, where these various games are going to be, you know, where we have the opportunity to go 
um, even before we know who's going to be even playing where. Yeah, it'd be, uh, I think it is going to be exciting. And uh, I'll tell you, the, I, hopefully they get a good turnout because the temperatures for the next week and a half, it's going to be about 100 every day here. Yeah, but, I mean, as far as turnouts, though, I mean, it's it's kind of weird that they're doing a big to-do about it. But, you know, generate excitement where you can. I mean, it's not like we're going to be watching anybody play. They're just going to be unveiling names of cities and stadiums where games are going to be. Um, to me, this is just, a, you know, it's interesting. I want to know. But it has all the sporting excitement of seeing them reach into the, the pull-out balls to see who's going to be playing whom or watching guys go up and hold a jersey at the draft. You know, it's not the same as watching the actual game. Absolutely. Don? Well, Mike, let's uh, jump over to your uh, Washington baseball club because uh, I think Roger said earlier uh, the score of Atlanta is going on on fire right now, and Washington seems to really be in some trouble and and, – uh, just can't seem to get a team together that can put together a little streak. Well, uh, the biggest news surrounding the Nationals uh, is that Steven Strasburg, who started a game a week ago, uh, Tuesday, he's now back on the injured list. I don't understand a- it. How how did he get fractured ribs? He only he only pitched one game now in the last two years. I, I, Donnie's pitched 30 and a, 31 and a third innings over the course of the last three seasons. So wow. based on his current salary, they're paying him somewhere in the neighborhood of about $3 million an inning. And over that, point, over that time, he's got an ERA that's approaching seven. So, I mean, you know, after he won the World Series MVP in 2019, he opted out of the deal. It was a seven-year, $245 million deal. And it's hard to say that there's any way at this point that he's going to live up to it considering, you know, 31 and a third innings over the course of eight starts, which is less than four innings over three years. Um, His – velocity is way down uh you know at the start of his career you know he was a high 90s pitcher uh in 2019 he was in that 95 to 96 range his pitches his fastball uh on his in his last start last thursday uh his fastball was averaging about 91.7 miles per hour, which is the same speed that he used to pitch his changeup when he got into, when he broke into the majors. So it's clear that this injury, um, the, the, the injuries have affected his, his, his um, velocity. Um, they were saying, you know, the, the amount of work and the mechanics and, and overcompensating, I guess, on the arm caused him to get a stress reaction of some sort in his ribs which there's really nothing that he can do to uh, fix that other than rest. So there's no real timetable on when right. he might be back. So they didn't really, again, they didn't really detail it at any kind of length at all. I mean, I read the stories about him 
<clears throat> with the stress fracture of the ribs and so forth, but never really detailed, uh, you know, how this all came about. No, and the only thing that I read was that nobody said anything other than, you know, it was probably connected to the thoracic outlet surgery that he had last year and his efforts to rehab it, um, you know, possibly doing, overdoing it. I don't know, but when you look at the, just the number of injuries that he has sustained over the course of his career and especially over the course of the last couple of years, it's fair to wonder if his body is just breaking down. You know, there were lots of criticisms early on about his throwing motion, uh, that it would cause problems for his arm right. later on, and we're starting to see that. And, you know, at 33, you don't want to hear that a guy's basically breaking down. But, well, Mike, the thing you know, is that uh, Roger and I talked about this years and years ago when he first signed, and, uh, you know, they were already putting him in the Hall of Fame when he signed his first contract. And uh, But after looking at his career leading up to winning the world championship, what, three years ago, mm-hmm. and then signing him for this amount of money with a history of injury and lack of ability to be on the field, I, I just I can't if I'm if I'm an owner of that team, I, there's no way you could justify to me that I should sign this guy for this money. That was a lot of the question, and when you add into the fact that it was a choice between re-signing Stephen Strasburg, who had opted out of the contract, you know he was already on a, I think a seven year a six seven year. 175 that he opted out the last couple of years with. So it wasn't like they they were paying him already. Um, He opted out, and Mike Rizzo and the management made a decision that they were not going to re-sign Anthony Rendon in favor of re-signing Strasburg. And we heard the, the argument before. You know, starting pitching in Major League Baseball is the, the toughest and most expensive commodity to go by. And the one thing that the Nationals have been pretty consistent on is their willingness to pay for what they believe is top quality starting pitching. Um, as it stands, they've got uh, Patrick Corbin on a pretty monstrous deal who, over the course of the last three seasons, has not performed anywhere like they expected him to. And Stephen Strasburg on this monster contract that's paying him $35 million a year, and he's never available. And that's really hampered their ability to put together a competitive team, which is now snowballed to the fact a point where it's going to affect their ability to potentially re-sign Juan Soto, who, you know, it, it could be one of the best young hitters well, they keep right claiming now. there's no way they're going to trade him at the trading deadline. They, every day there's a story, you know, that they're not going to, uh, they're absolutely not going to trade him regardless of what uh, somebody promises them out of the minor leagues or uh, a trade that they may make. They keep saying absolutely not, so we'll wait and see. Well, there's no real incentive right now for them to trade him this year. I mean, the package that you would get back from him would be an all-timer. But again, it's based on prospects, right? Here is 
a young guy, early 20s. He's already got a batting title. You know, he's on his average season is an MVP caliber type season. He's a proven commodity. Uh, the question is, is this ownership group, if they remain in place, or the new ownership group going to be willing and able to resign him? And will he even have a desire to resign? You know, right now, he's an attractive piece to any potential new owner because at least you have something in this franchise that will get people to come out and watch. Right. If they traded him, there's not much left. Why go and watch them other than love of baseball? Because they're not a particularly competitive team. But, you know, we're talking about a deal that could be in the 2.5 to $3 billion range, and his contract alone is then going to end up being worth, you know, potentially $500 million. So what, you're going to pay roughly 20% of the value of the franchise to one player? Some people may be willing to do that. Some owners are going to look at that and say, eh. But I think they want to give the new ownership group, if there is one, the option of how they handle Juan Soto before making the decision with them. And the other thing that we got to talk about, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez are both in the last year of their contracts, and there's been no indication about any extensions for either one of them at this point. Roger? You know, what Don was saying, Mike, I'll never forget, Don and I had this conversation. Colorado just got their third goal in the first period, 229 remaining. The, I don't know what the over-under in this game is, but I think the over would go, is, is a good choice right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, the point about Strasburg was they were putting him in the Hall of Fame from the day he came into the league. And what you fellows were saying is exactly right. He has not – forget the new contract. Uh, he has really not been able to contribute very much in, in quite a while because of injuries. In only three of his 13 seasons has he not had an extended spin on the, the uh, disabled there you list. Yeah. I mean, in 10 of 13 seasons, he's been on the disabled list at least once. Um, but, you know, we saw this again, remember, with Mark Pryor uh, when he was coming up with the Cubs. And everybody said, you know, as much as you love Kerry Wood, wait till you see this Mark Pryor guy. And what? He lasts a Maybe five seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the well, you know, I th- I think that uh, you know the Braves wouldn't give Freddie Freeman that six year, and I think that was probably a smart move. We were talking about Riamuto uh, earlier, that uh, now it really looks like that was a mistake to give him that contract that they gave him, and it was I think five years because. Uh, he's now 31, and it started last year, where he just is not producing and and not uh, coming through when needed to drive in some runs. And that's what uh, you're expecting. And uh, there's, like, now some speculation that he uh, the pitchers don't like uh, working with him. So who knows? Yeah, that is the biggest start at a later date, gentlemen. Mike, thank you very much for your contribution. As always, we'll uh, have a lot more to say about what's going on in soccer and a lot more about what's going on with 
the Washington baseball team when we get together next week. Thank you very much. Have a great All week, right, Mike. Have a good time. Look forward to talking to you after they have the big announcement tomorrow. We'll see what happens. All right, we'll do. Doug Hamilton is on the line, our PGA professional from down in Baltimore, Maryland, who joins us week in and week out to talk about any number of things beside golf. But we're going to head off this week with golf because it's the 122nd edition uh, of the uh, PGA professional championship. And uh, so uh, as the controversy continues about what's going on not only on the PGA Tour, but what's going on elsewhere. And uh, the U.S. Open, uh, one, of the, you know, one of the traditional great golf events of all time, Brookline, Massachusetts Country Club. But all they want to talk about is the LIV and what happened with Greg Dorman last week and what's happening with Mickelson. And now McElroy and a lot of the other players, Thomas, they're getting a little fed up with it. Uh, so what do you think, Doug? Uh, it's turned into a little bit of a clash between the players now yeah look we we know uh that greg norman's been a thorn in the side of golf in general but specifically i guess the pga tour and i think that you know i don't know that this creation was really any different in terms of his vision of what it was going to do i mean you can look at the enormous money that's being paid saudi back you can look at you know the fact that a guy like charles schwartz will won $4.75 million uh, playing 54 holes of golf, which is the most he's won. And, you know, I think the combined last, what, four or five years. Um, right. You know, shot, shotgun starts, no cuts. Um, you know, all, all these different kinds of things that I guess, you know, were created in an effort to, to make a, a change from the PGA Tour, but also to probably, you know, be, be a thorn and, and rival the tour itself. Um, so... You know, that being said, I mean, it's it's a, it's a new adventure. There's, what, eight ex- exhibition, quote-unquote, air quotes, matches. So um, we'll see how this – I mean, this is going to be litigated in court, and they're going to figure out what happens next, I think. Um, maybe I liken it to the USFL when it first started, that, you know, they had a chance to grab some of these really good players and, and try to make a name for themselves. But, um, you know, it's a shame that it would it would take away from – what's happening on the tour, which is the U.S. Open, which has always been contested on on Father's Day, and it's a really wonderful venue in general, but also because it's paired with Father's Day weekend and um, how special you know that is for the fathers and sons that have played golf. And I can tell you, obviously, that, that my, you know I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have played golf had it not been for my father. So, you know, the, the time that he spent with me on the range or – looking for my golf balls when I was a little tacker and, and couldn't find them and um, all the wonderful things that he taught me and, and how integral golf is to um, the parallel that it draws to life, um, you know, and, and the lessons that not only he taught me as a father, but, you know, what, what he taught me through golf as a father uh, are all really, truly important. And I think those should be the storylines that we talk about this week and not, um, you know, the, the LIV tour, which, for anybody who doesn't know, LIV are the Roman numeral, numerals for 54, hence the number of holes they play. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's certainly a distraction. It certainly is, and especially now with Bicklesby coming over to play at the Open. And, and uh, he had two press conferences, one early uh, on Monday, and then he had the normal press conference with the, with the, uh, uh, the tour, as they always do. And it was really very, very stressful in both. 
And uh, yeah. you know, when you when you look at it realistically, I mean, it's he's he's 51 years old. Uh, whether yeah. he lost all the money they say he lost 40 million dollars or not, I don't know. But uh, if somebody came up to you at 41 years of age, you know how many chances that you're going to have to win on the PGA Tour at this point? And somebody offers right. you 200 million dollars. How many right. people? How many people are going to step back and say, "Hey, yeah, I remember 9/11. I know what happened at 9/11. I know that they were involved in it." How many people are going to turn that two hundred million dollars down? I don't think very many. Well, I tell you, Tom, I'll be forty-eight in August, and nobody's offered me two hundred million yet. Um, so I don't necessarily have to make that choice. But I, I think if I'm fifty-one years old and I'm Phil Mickelson, and and um, somebody offers me that money, I I hate to say it. I mean, it, you can label that as dirty money if you want to, but it's still two hundred million. So. Not only that, he has no chance to win. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 51 years of age and he's still got a nice name and or did. I don't know how many sponsors he's lost over what's happened here. Right. But his chances sure. of winning, so let's just say $10 million between now and the time he stops playing golf, yeah. are really very, very remote. I mean, he's not going to win that much more money. And these people are giving him $200 million. And if he needs it, if he is his, if he's in his financial struggle that they talk about, he's not going right. to turn it down. Well, I know he's had his issues with gambling over the years. Um, you know, I, I think he's had some really uh, through professional sports book betting. Um, so I, I don't know what his financial status is. I mean, he's Nobody certainly does. won his share of well, he's certainly won his share of money o- over the course of time with his uh, whatever 40-couple PGA Tour wins or worldwide wins or whatever, plus his sponsorships. I mean, crap, it makes you it makes you wonder, you know, wh- where all that money may have gone. But, um, I mean, look, two, $200 million is a game changer. You know, uh, what was it, the Mega Millions last night was 240-something million. Cash option was 150. I mean, if I won $150 million, I mean – Come on, man. That that's you should be set for the rest of your life, you know. So <laughs> and your family, I, you know. Roger, yeah. I'll let you jump in here. Well, from what you guys seem to be saying is golf is never no longer a gentleman's game. Okay, with all of this uh, arguing and uh, everything going on, am I right about this? It's, the gentleman it should uh, uh, no longer a gentleman's game. Well, money money my... dictates like everything else, Roger, and this money is dictated <laughs> here, and there's no question about it. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing what's happened in the last four, two or three or four weeks. Look, I, I can't speak for the entire field, but if you start naming some of the names that are that have defected, if you will, um, I, I think in their own right, they they have some version of spiteful nature that has them on this tour, which I think I think is what Greg Norman was kind of looking for was, you know, Phil Mickelson's never been a big proponent of the PGA Tour nor the USGA. You know, Patrick Reed's had his, his issues. Um, you know, Sergio Garcia's been pretty outspoken with regard to his disdain for both. Um, you know, it's, I think, I don't know that it has as much to do with the gentleman's aspect, but I think 
you know, Greg Norman is targeting the PGA Tour, which has long since been known as the only game in town, saying, hey, buddy, you know, we're going to do something different here. And I think he was looking for the individuals that wanted to rock that boat that were some of the malcontents and or people that were in the twilight of their career uh, that were only doing it for the money. Um, So I I think it's bigger than just the gentleman's aspect of, of of the game itself. I think, you know, obviously Don said there's money involved, there's, there's some different aspects, I think, worth noting. I was just being facetious, Doug. Uh, but, you know, well, because of the Yeah, but way also, Roger, you got to look at it this way, that, you know, the players like Sergio Garcia, but there aren't that many U.S. players that are going to jump over, and, you know, and get into this, uh, uh, you know, tour. Um, so, right. So they're not going to look at seven at 9-11 and say, well, I can't take this money because of what happened in the United States. You know, they're going to take the money. I mean, it's as simple as that. Well, how many right. foreign players are there that have taken the money? And there's there's a number of them. But I, uh, the, if you look at the depth of their field from top to bottom of whatever it is, 48 players, I mean, it's, well, it, it's, it's okay. I mean, obviously, you do have some headliners in there with Dustin Johnson and major tour winners. Neither um, one has surprised you know, me more than anybody else. I was surprised that, yeah, that but, Dustin Johnson you know, got involved. To, from top to bottom, that 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 feels not that's not very good, really. Well, well yeah, they, they, think they play this week. That, they play this week at Seattle. Last week was London, so there and there isn't yeah. really any television, so not very many people have an opportunity to uh, to follow it all on television. And uh, this week, uh, Seattle, right, uh, Doug? I think there was Seattle this week. Well, I mean, look, they're they're competing obviously with the U.S. Open, and to your point, I mean this this was this was streamed live, I think, on YouTube, and I think the, the coverage was really awful um, in, in terms of, of what you saw. So, yeah, I, I, I gotta know. say, I didn't see any of it, so I can't comment on it. We, no, I, I actually did. So one of, one of my assistants figured out how to stream it on our TV. And it was it was really grainy and it was really kind of just low low budget in terms of the video quality. So um, it, it's certainly not. It's, it's I don't think their ratings were very good, and I don't I don't think by and large most people really care about it. And now you're going to go into a week where you have the U.S. Open. I mean, how in the world is that going to compete with the U.S. Open? I mean, who's really going to watch that? Nobody. So, exactly. You know? Roger. Well, the other thing know. is, if you look at YouTube, the video is never really that great unless it's it's actually yeah. a copy of a real video, right. okay, and right. uh, a professional. And I think that uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, see, I think the NFL, because they do things, you know, in a professional manner uh, with all these streaming services that are available now, but they're, it's going to be their their own production team that they approve, whether it be Fox or, you know, NBC or you know ABC, CBS, whatever. But it's going to well, they approve the production teams, and of course, and well, you had NFL Films, which does tremendous work. So it's it's and you know baseball, the NBA, NHL are similar, maybe not as good, but uh, they're very similar in their. Production, so that you have a much better command of the uh, production operation than you do with this new uh, list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Let's, uh, I guess we can move to what? The Orioles, Don? That's all right with me. The Orioles, they're making a little yeah. move, but they're getting they, uh, I saw this couple minutes ago. Somebody hit a home run, but I didn't see who it was. I mean, I saw who, but I didn't see who it was. I just saw the home run go out. Was it five four now or something like that? Uh, last I saw, I think it was six something because Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero, hit a home run to make it six. But I think it was it was six two. But maybe somebody else did in the interim hit a home run. I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't know. we're doing um, a shout. I'm trying to follow the Islanders or the Lightning and follow the Yankees and the Mets. <laughs> and, yeah. It's tough to keep up with all of them. Well, it's a good time to be a, a sports fan right now. You've got a bunch of different options, um, you know, in, in many different sports. You know, we uh, we just finished up with the Belmont there. Um, you know, Mo Donegal was your was your winner. Um, I'll your, tell you, it was, uh, a, it was a pretty interesting race too. Uh, not that it yeah. paid that much. It's the exact, it wasn't worth very much no. money. Or the trifecta, no. but. Uh, well, it was a it was an interesting race. The Gadigal came on and, and won it in pretty good fashion. Yeah, there were only eight horses, so you know they're just gonna bet the daylights out of these things. And I mean, that one, the two horse, I think, that finished third, Skippy Longstocking. I mean, heck, he earlier in the day, I think he was like twenty or thirty to one, but by the time they got to the post, he was down under under ten. So that that's what happens when you get these races with only you know a smaller field size. Yeah, the race horses just, in the race, and the strike ran most of the race in, in last place. He just never really, uh, yeah. he, he never really made you a know. run. I think he wound up sixth, if I'm not mistaken. But he, uh, he never really made any kind of a run. He was, he was well back all the way. I didn't like that horse. I think he was a flash in the pan to win the Kentucky Derby, and I, I was widely disappointed in the one horse was uh, We the People and. And uh, from, from the start of that, boy, he, he got off and he had early speed and he was going and going and going until he got to that last little bit and he just kind of crapped out and a couple of those right. horses passed him. And I think he finished in fourth, but, um, you know, it's, I always love watching He was He was sort of the favorite, too, all the way through. Well, as you watch all he the was. pregame, uh, pre-race activity, uh, you know, he yeah. got the most notoriety as the horse that was going to be tough to beat, but they beat yeah. him. I agree. Um, but the, I tell you, the, the the news in that race was the three horse, which was the Philly, um, who ran a really right. good race. And I think it was it was uh, six three two one. I think is how it finished. Um, you know, and the, the trifecta paid or the superfecta rather paid a decent amount. Um, but but all in all, it wasn't a kind of race. I mean, the, the only way you were going to win any money was to put you know twenty fifty bucks on the six horse and, and take your lumps and move on. So. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. So, all right, back back to the uh, back to the well. Let's go to the Ravens. The Ravens. I'll tell you, let me uh, uh, The best thing they had was the weather. What a great day! Oh my God, Belmont. Yeah. I I never saw the official attendance. Uh, I thought they said during the telecast it was somewhere around sixty, uh, but I'm not, yeah. but I don't know that. I I didn't hear them say That's what the nice attendance crowd. was. Very nice crowd. Oh man, it was what a great day. Yeah. Hey, Doug, before we get to the uh, Ravens, let's go back to yeah. uh, the golf in the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, because sure. I'm looking at this, and as I understand it, though the uh, the golfers in the LIV uh, tournament series, they can play in the U.S. Open no problem. Is yes. that right? Yeah, that's that correct. So, um, as it, as it so stands they can right all now, they can be play in the U.S. Open. 
Yes, if, provided they have the opportunity to play in it. So you look at, um, obviously, Dustin Johnson could play if he wanted to. Uh, uh, Patrick Reed could play. DeChambeau could play. Um, you know, they have all their stipulations with what you've won and, and, and how you would be a part of that field otherwise based on, based on the rules. So, I mean, those are, those are separate entities from the PGA Tour itself. Um, I think where you run into problems right now is anything that's affiliated with the PGA Tour, those individuals have now been suspended, and I think that precludes them from also playing in, in the Ryder Cups, um, I believe, as well. That's correct. That's, that is correct. That's where it stands. But, again, I find that it's going to be some sort of a litigation that's going to determine the outcome of that. So. Well, they've uh, I can't remember the name of the player, but they've already had one player who has uh, filed uh, a suit against the PGA. And, of course, once okay. one, one files, they'll all file, uh, maybe as a group, yeah. not necessarily individually. They'll, they'll all file as a group. I mean, I don't see how the PGA, quite honestly, can win. I mean, uh, you, you, you can't you can't deprive well, somebody of making a decision to play wherever they want to play. And uh, I, I don't think you uh, – I don't think the PGA well, has the right – <laughs> to bar people from coming well, back and playing in a tournament if they qualify. I'm also not privy to I'm not privy to what it is an individual would, would either sign okay. or acknowledge once they become, you know, a PGA tour member. I don't know if there's is there a contract in place or are these contracts I, I don't or, know. You know, I mean there has to be a, a bigger broader picture of you know what this would constitute, um, you know, the PGA Tour being the only game in town, so to speak, um, and how that pertains to their membership. I'm not sure. No, I I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know what the legal aspect of it is. I just think that, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, they've gotten themselves into a situation where they're trying to bar the, these players from coming back and playing the PGA, and I don't think legally – uh, they could do that, but I have no legal knowledge whatsoever of whether sure. they can or uh, can't, but I don't think they can. I don't either, but like, like I said, it's, it's going to be determined by someone else, uh, and, and this will continue to play out and unfold and, and get its, you know, coverages and those sorts of things. So um, we'll we'll know at a later date. Roger? Yeah, I'm just uh, reading about uh, on some other uh, topics about uh, what's out there. Uh, I, I love the uh, story, and, and uh, Don, uh, you and I would love this. Stephen A. Smith and Chris Russo going at it. Uh, Doug, what do you think are the, the five best cities in the country for fan support? Have you Did you see that at all? No. The, what is it, the five best? What is it? The five <laughs> best cities that have uh, for their fandom, Okay. Um, and and Chris well, Russo had uh, the uh, I would, uh, Philadelphia. I would well, uh, Chris, the, the Mad Dog had uh, Cleveland, then Detroit, New York, this. Chicago, Philadelphia, and the uh, really? Stephen A. Uh, he said, "You're crazy about Cleveland." No doubt, well, Shane Tommy's not Please. with us anymore. <clears throat> uh, you know, and many rest in peace, brother, because. Tommy would have really well, have something to say about this side. <laughs> Cleveland and Cle- hey, Cleveland and Detroit might be the worst two. Uh, I agree, and that's what Stephen A. was saying, Doug. I mean, I think I think you'd have to put Boston up there, 
they love they Boston loves their sports. Their 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 fan base is just you know crazy. I mean, you can look at Philly and New York, which are which are crazy, but almost in a bad way. Um, you know, I'd have to think. Um, I you know P- Pittsburgh would have to probably be up there with how much they love their their sports teams. Um, you know, I don't know much beyond that. I, um, yeah, but Pittsburgh, you know, maybe, Doug, you're talking primarily about football and baseball. Yeah. Unfortunately, because well, uh, of the dynamics hockey. of the area, they just don't have a big enough area to draw from yeah. to, uh, you know, hockey put 25 to 35,000 people on a regular basis into the stadium. Right. And uh, right. whereas football, all you have to worry well, about is eight games plus the exhibition or whatever you want to call them. And, uh, you, yeah, you well, know, you they're dyed in the wool there, but they're not dyed in the wool for the Pirates. Well, I mean, look, this, this, is, this, list, this list has obviously changed, you know, over the course of time for many reasons. But, I mean, you know, Baltimore probably got its stuff to do at one point in time with the Colts and the Orioles and, and, and how much the fans love that, those two teams. Um, and even the, even the Bullets when they were here, I guess. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, well, I think uh, I think Philadelphia. Maybe Roger. I didn't hear the. I didn't see the piece or hear uh, Mad Dog. But uh, I would have to think when you look at Philadelphia and the uh, combination of the of the uh, 76ers, the Phillies, and the Eagles. Uh, I mean, yeah. you got pretty. You know, you're talking about night after night after night. You're talking about pretty pretty avid fans there. I mean, you're not, that's pretty. That's that's tough to beat. And and the yeah. Flyers uh, when they're just competitive, I mean, right? It, uh, yeah, they you know, the last couple of years of you know they they went through a series of you know seventeen seven oh seven where they never sold a seat for ten or twelve years. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So well, I th- I just thought it would it's an interesting topic, and it really causes uh, some controversy nationally. Uh, you know, I don't know whether you've uh, – I know, Don, uh, you've watched uh, the uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Uh, I, I just am not impressed with the young lady who's doing the uh, uh, sideline. I just uh, – I can't believe they uh, can't somebody, get somebody that's much more knowledgeable and uh, comes across uh, better than this young lady. I'm, I'm not saying she's bad. It's just I think that there's much right. – better uh, talent out there than what they have. Roger, I, I said this to you before, and I'll say it again. I, I <clears throat> like I got the Yankees on right now. I got the, the hockey on. I, I don't have any sound on. I don't. Most of the games, <clears throat> and uh, you know, all doing the Rangers uh, six-game series. Uh, I may look in at the intermission and see what right. they have to say, but I, I don't listen to the, to the actual game itself. I watch the game. I enjoy the game, but I don't listen to what they have to say. Well, I and I put closed caption on a lot, Don. Yeah, so, I do you know, that what's along myself. Yeah, but the oh, thing is, yeah, I mean, you, you don't. don't I don't know how it is down in Baltimore, uh, Doug, but I mean, you know, there were years, uh, yeah. you know, when there, when I would turn something on because I'd love to hear the games broadcast by a certain. But today, I don't. I don't there's no broadcaster that I want to listen to. That I want to turn the games on. I mean, I mean, I, I watch the games, but I don't watch it because there's a guy broadcasting the game. There's no Mel Allen or Red Barber or, right. or you know, right. whatever. 
they pretty much rotate all these different people around. I can tell you that my favorite is Mike Bordick. Um, you know, but they throw Jim Palmer in there and they throw different different people in there. But to your point, well, you had a great guy down. You had a great guy down at Baltimore for years. He did, I did uh, hockey. He did the the, the, yeah. the uh, uh, Gary uh, Thorne. Gary Thorne. Yeah, and Gary you Thorne. turn around and he's gone. I mean, we saw him down here in, in Sarasota. I talked to him almost every day at the ballpark when he was when he was well, doing the Orioles. I don't even know where he is now. I don't hear anything about him. No. John, John Miller was my favorite. And he was um, good. He was great. Oh. Yeah. And then you had uh, years ago, might be four your time, Doug, Jim Carvellis. Well, you know, Chuck he, Thompson was, was pretty good. And he, I got tail end of him. and um, Bill O'Donnell. You know, like I said. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of good ones in Baltimore. The kind of people Chuck that you'd rather Thompson. listen to on the radio. Yeah, you'd rather listen to the game on the radio than you would in person. Well, er, so. I can remember as a kid, Ernie Hardwell was doing the Orioles. Right, Don? Yeah. Absolutely. That, uh, and he did that uh, contract. Uh, yeah, Ernie, Ernie Hardwell was, uh, went to Detroit, came or not, with, uh, not came or came or St. Louis. I can't think of the callers of Detroit. Okay. But he was with, he was with week, Detroit. Yes, sir. Take we care. Had, I didn't hear Frank yeah, we say. Got we have against the clock, yeah, Frank. Uh, Frank said six. Yes, sir. Six. Okay, gentlemen, take care. We'll talk next week. Have right a great right. week. Thank you, guys. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women of Peace Fire Services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. These are very, very tough times for police officers and firefighters, as well as men and women in the armed forces. These TIP programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman David Curtis, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Bilt, Childers, Sergeant uh, Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. Chief Mike, sorry, Patrolman um, Charlie Condit, Harper Spring Police Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant George Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Police, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris Levesque, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrol Officer uh, Arnaco Christen, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Meyer, Newcastle, Nassau County Sheriff's Office. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Flakus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Holo, Longwood Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose raise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your face, and the rain <clears throat> on your fields, and the winds fall on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week. Shema Hezahilma, so 
Strike! 